Today on Across the Cavs, we got Tim Alcorn, Cavs radio play-by-play announcer. It'll be Zach Weiss with you as always to talk about Lamar Stevens' contracts, Della Vadova's strong play, the win over the Hornets, and how Juan Toscano decimated the Cavs. Enjoy today's episode. gentlemen good morning on april 16th 2021 you are dialed in to across the calves zach weiss with you coming off the loss to the golden state warriors last night however a much better effort than the first game when golden state won 129 to 98 the calves just tipped over the 100 point threshold in the final minute here to talk about that game the hornets game the lamar stevens contract and more you know his voice. You listen to him 82 times a year. This this year, only 72, unfortunately. It is Tim Alcorn, radio announcer, play-by-play man for the Cavs. It's nice to bring you back. Oh, it's great to be here, Zach. I appreciate you having me, and it's always good to talk Cavs basketball. Now, this year, it will actually be 70 games because I missed two uh, a little over a week <laughs> ago. I had a little bit of a uh, <laughs> medical emergency, but... Uh, I'm probable. I'm listed as probable for the rest of the year. Yes, Tim got his uh, appendix removed. He had an appendectomy, just like our buddy Matthew Delavadova. And Tim, would you? Is it safe to say that, like Della, you have come back better than ever? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. That's up to the listeners and the fans to determine. But I'll tell you what. I now know what Delhi and uh, many others have gone through with an appendicitis. It's not something that's pleasant and. Uh, when they say we're going to take it out, you say, please do, if it uh, gets rid of the pain I'm in right now. So uh, everything went well, and uh, I'm back to 100%, so uh, looking forward to the stretch run here for the Cavs. And it's, it's good to hear. We got Tim back. There was a great replacement in the meantime, but of course, we love having Tim Alcorn on Cavs Radio. And Tim, let's start with this. You know, we've talked about Lamar Stevens before, but undrafted, you don't hear much about Penn State basketball players. You know, Calvin Booth uh, in 1998 was their only draft pick for a period of over 15 to 20 years. They've only had one pick in the entire uh, 2000s millennium. So they, they don't get a ton of NBA talent. It's unfortunate Taylor Battle never got his chance because he was nice. But Lamar Stevens, six points short of the Penn State scoring record. If they had March Madness, he would have broken it rebounding machine played at three high schools in order to end up at Penn state. There he was. Now he's here. He had the game winning dunk against Atlanta. He had that instant double, double against the Spurs. How excited are you as someone inside the organization that Lamar is now uncompensated nicely for what's been an incredibly, we, we can call it surprising all we want, but he works hard. And this is a product of that. Well, I'm just thrilled for Lamar Stevens because this shows what hard work can do. I mean, he came into camp and he just busted it from day one. Uh, his work ethic is off the charts. And uh, we had a chance to talk to Lamar a couple of times. And basically, he forced his way onto this roster just through his work ethic, not only in the preseason games, but really in camp uh, and during those practice sessions. Uh, he opened the eyes of JB Bickerstaff and the rest of the staff. So I'm thrilled for Lamar Stevens. He's a terrific young man. And as you said, flew under the radar. Penn State uh, certainly can't be equated with Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and those type of basketball programs. So, uh, but Lamar Stevens, just through sheer perseverance and effort, uh, found a way to get himself on this basketball team and then uh, rewarded for it 
with a multi-year contract. So for a young man like Lamar Stevens, I couldn't be happier. I think it's just awesome for him and really for the organization to recognize the work that Lamar Stevens has put in to earn his spot in the NBA. Yeah, and the team was so shorthanded that his first NBA minutes were as a shooting guard, something he probably never could have envisioned for himself. But here he is. He's had a solid season. We don't need to get into numbers because when you talk about these undrafted workhorses, it kind of does an injustice to what they do on the court when you talk about the numbers because he's not going to put up double-doubles. He's not going to get those touches, but he's going to hound the best score when he's covering them, you know, given that he's only – he was listed at 6'8 in college. I believe he's listed as 6'6 right now. You know, he, he does a great job on the boards. That instant double-double against the Spurs in less than 20 minutes. I don't know how many undrafted rookies you can point to that, that, that did that before. But it's been really fun to watch him. You know, there have been some great moments. There haven't been any bad moments. So, you know, good for him. And, you know, I, I was initially hoping to see Charles Matthews get that opportunity before the season. But obviously – Lamar was the hardest worker. He was also healthy when Matthews was not, and they didn't need Norvell Pell as much as they needed what Stevens could bring. So here he is, there he's going to go. But Tim, we've had two games in the last two nights, so I'm sure for you that they, they, might, they may just blend together because you went from a Hornets call, was it seven, then you had an eight o'clock. So we're, we're not even 12 hours removed from the last game ending, but let's talk about that Hornets game. You know, Cavs led Cavs won all four quarters which is something we haven't seen a ton of this year even though they won the quarters by four four one and four every time you win a quarter you know you're winning a quarter you're winning one fourth of the game they did it four times Kevin Love had a double double but let's talk about TP because Tim Torian Prince has had an up and down year with the Cavs he uh, he actually was he had the lowest field goal percentage in the NBA last season. He was struggling for a while with the Cavs. And I think that as soon as his ankle healed up the second time or enough to play, he's just been going off. And that 25-point effort, I think, is a product of that. Absolutely. And he had a, a shoulder issue as well, Zach. And, uh, but you're right. Torian Prince, uh, he's kind of the forgotten guy in that Jared Allen deal. Everybody talks about Jared Allen coming over from Brooklyn, and it's really the the centerpiece of the deal for the Cavaliers. But Dorian Prince in his career has had moments where he can really be an offensive threat. And sometimes a change of scenery will just do a guy some good. And right now, Torian, he had an off night last night, but he's in that zone. And boy, what a weapon for J.B. Bickerstaff off the bench. Uh, six straight games in double digits before last night coming off the bench for the Cavaliers. So Boy, if Torian Prince can give you that type of offensive production, uh, that's huge because the Cavaliers, for the most part, haven't had scoring punch off that bench. Uh, generally, when they go to the bench, they lose uh, at the offensive end. So Torian's role right now has just been, uh, as far as being on a roll, not his role on the team, but uh, Torian's uh, you know, accomplishments, let's put it that way, as of late, uh, have really benefited this basketball team. And Boy, it's a, it's a sign of what Torian Prince can be. If he can do it consistently, he'll become a big weapon for the Cavs. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. You know, so people can say what they will about him, but there's a reason Brooklyn gave him that two-year $28 million deal uh, after last season. He provides scoring. He provides defense. And let's not forget that on March 18th, or March 17th, uh, 2018, rather, Torian Prince dropped 38 against the Milwaukee Bucks, also dishing out seven assists and hitting seven threes. So he's capable of these big games. Torian Prince is more than the guy that said, how did Baylor out, how did Yale out-rebound Baylor? So rebound, go up. 
two hands, put them on the ball. They did more of that than us. He's a lot more than that. And <laughs> that is one of the great quotes of all time, though. <laughs> yes, and it's like, what? Do you, I mean, he, they lost. No disrespect to Yale in any way. They played a great game in that year. But why are you going to ask him how they are? And they, they grab more. What do you expect him to say? <laughs> Yeah, it's a great quote. They went up, they grabbed the ball. That's a rebound. <laughs> we did that more times than us. But all right, let's uh, let's let's get into a little bit uh, more in that Hornets game. You know, it's not easy to win without Colin Sexton. And there's been this weird narrative that people have been starting to make. Oh, bench him, trade whatever. We're, we're not going to talk about that because we we both know we watch enough games. Obviously, Tim, you're around the organization. Colin Sexton is a big part of the future. It's going to ignore everything else that, that people have been saying negatively. I'm not even going to think about it because I think it's all just just people like people like drama when you get into the social media uh, basketball arguments. But he was out. So how do the other guys do? Garland with 17 and seven assists. Kevin Love double double with four assists. How about a plus nine? Isaiah Hartenstein in just 13 minutes had four rebounds, three blocks, eight points. And while I am a little concerned, the bench had 12 turnovers. There were a lot of good moments. Uh, Larry Nance came back with an undisclosed illness that he lost 20 pounds. I worried it might kind of be an Omer Ashik type deal. He had to retire. Yes, Omer Ashik faded in, into the kind of faded away, but he was still making 12 million a year. Then all of a sudden he was down 50 pounds and had to retire. Hopefully he's healthy now, whatever he's doing. Came back with four steals, and really, Tim, it seems like it was a team effort. Torian led the way, but it was a team effort. You know, everyone seemed to play well against the Hornets, and they they scored just enough to beat a team that was down quite a few players. Well, Zach, you often hear that winning is a learned behavior, and I think uh, the game against Charlotte demonstrated that, that the Cavs are learning how to win, learning how to close. Uh, they only trailed for 17 seconds in that ball game. Charlotte had a one-point lead for one possession in the third quarter. And I think it speaks to the veteran leadership of Kevin Love and of Matthew Dellavedova to have them back and kind of lead the team as far as what it takes to close out games. So it was a true team effort. And boy, when you look at uh, the starting lineup minus Sexton, but you look at the whole roster, maybe a better way to put it, it was the first time that JB really had an opportunity to use guys together uh, that he hasn't been able to use all season long. So uh, that's going to be the real interesting part of the stretch run here uh, with Love back, with Delhi back, and Sexton now back in the lineup. So this is basically the full roster uh, that JB's been looking forward to uh, essentially since the Jared Allen trade was made, along with Orion Prince, as I said, you tend to leave him out of that deal. But uh, this is now the full compliment that JB's been waiting for. So the Charlotte game really showed the potential of that. And it also showed what Darius Garland can do. If he doesn't have Colin in that backcourt with him, Darius is one of those guys that can really not only distribute the basketball, but he can come up with some big points as he, if he has to. So that was a well-rounded win for the Cavaliers. That was a good one. And Charlotte's battling for a playoff spot. Now, they didn't have Ball. They didn't have Hayward. But that's still a team that's fighting for a playoff spot in the East. So that was a big road win for the Cavaliers. Yeah, no question about that. Jaden McDaniels coming. People are now getting Jalen and Jaden. The Minnesota and Charlotte McDaniels confused, myself included. They're both great. And they're both going to be for a while. And they're both only getting playing time because half their rosters are decimated. But I hope to see Charlotte healthy. I think that if they don't get a top six, that plan is going to get really interesting. I don't think – I think 
but I would assume Ball and Hayward couldn't be back for that, just given what we've read anyway. Uh, one more note on uh, on Delhi, then we'll move to the Warriors game. Uh, when in his first game back against the Sixers, uh, I'm not sure if you saw the clip. Mark Zumoff and uh, Ala Abdel Nabi uh, said that it looked like it hurt Delvadova when you're shooting the three. I guess kind of that release. And any any thoughts on the jump shot? Because to me, I mean, it doesn't look pretty at all. But then again, did Sean Marion, Josh Childress, or, or originally Lonzo or Kevin Martin ever care about form? Now, does does it matter? Really, with Delhi, or is it, is it just? Well, everybody has their own way of shooting the basketball. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You would think that you know the fundamentals of the game and the way to shoot. Uh, everybody's taught the same thing, but in the end, there's a comfort level, and there's a form that every player uses to make himself successful. So, yeah, Delhi shot. Uh, I won't argue. It's a strange-looking shot. It almost seems like it's coming from his stomach. And he's pushing it up. And I know he's changed his uh, shot shooting style the, the past year or so. But you know what? Delhi's not your long ball threat. I think he'd be the first one to tell you that. Uh, if Delhi's shooting a three, uh, then it's either late in the shot clock or perhaps, you know, the, the first or second option didn't work. And so now you're down to Delhi. Uh, he's more out there to direct the offense and, and be that floor general. So it's an odd looking shot. And I know Delhi last year really struggled with it. And then of course out for so long this year, you also have to take into account Zag. It, he just hasn't played basketball or hadn't for about 13 months. So it takes a while for that rhythm to come back and that shot to come back that you can do it all you want in practice and then shoot around and all that before the ball game. It's a lot different when you're in the 48 minutes of basketball and you've got somebody defending you. That's a whole different way of having to compete and, and get those shots up. And it's crazy. I know this, we're, we're talking about the Cavs. We don't need to get into it. But you've seen guys like John Wall and Kevin Durant, among others, kind of come back from these long absences of over – like these are superstars missing two full years trying to get acclimated. I'm very impressed by both of them. And you got guys across the league. A couple of years ago, we had Emeka Okafor and Marshawn Brooks each were, each were out of the NBA for four full years before coming back. You know, sometimes, you, you, and obviously, Delavadova has been a rotational player his entire career. The Bucs paid him $38 million because they believed in him as their starter. Obviously, thing, things didn't work out perfectly, although they kind of did because he ended up in Cleveland as a result of them getting Eric Bledsoe. You know, he's come back, walking with open arms. And during what's been a rebuild, he's given them a huge jolt. Remember the standing O in his first game back. And I know I've probably mentioned this, Tim, but uh, the day the Cavs got Delvadova back, I remember the date. Of course, I'm sure you do. You were not yet with the Cavs, however. It was December 7th, 2018. I was announcing a Hunter College homecoming doubleheader with Peruk in Manhattan. And <laughs> I, was, I was just so distracted because I think it was during the women's game. It was maybe in the third quarter. And, you know, there were free throws. You shouldn't be on Twitter during, while the game is happening, but I, it just happened. I saw the transaction and I couldn't focus the rest of the game. I mean, I still called it, but it, it just, you know, it's one of those moments where you kind of have a franchise icon who he went from undrafted to Delhi during the parade. I mean, it was just, it was such a great day for the organization. And he's a great guy. And he's one of those veteran leaders. You know, we've talked about this young basketball team, but you need veteran guys in that locker room. And so, as you said, Delhi was welcomed back with open arms because of that veteran leadership. And right now it's Delhi and Kevin Love that are providing that. And so 
uh, the Garlands and the Sextons and the Okoros of the world, uh, they need somebody to look up to and kind of guide them through. And, and Delhi's a great example of that. He's your classic role player. Uh, you mentioned Milwaukee thought he would be a starter. And I don't know uh, if that's the role for Delhi anywhere. And that's not a knock on Delhi. He's just that classic role player that comes in and fights tooth and nail every second that he's on the floor. He's the guy you love to have on your team. And if you're the opponent or a fan of the opponent, uh, you hate the guy because he's just constantly in the face and just running all over, getting floor burns. Uh, you you got to love Delhi. I mean, just the way he plays and the way he knows the game, uh, it's unique and it's terrific to the Cavaliers. By the way, my uncle graduated from Hunter. Hey, go Hawks, baby. <laughs> <laughs> way back when. <laughs> hey, I'm sure the, the PA announcer's been there, I know, for 35 years. So if he had ever went to, uh, if your uncle ever went to a game and it was the 80s, Although actually that that would actually that doesn't make sense. My my timeline is <laughs> my timeline is off. That's for another day. But you know, we talked about Del Vadova and the Warriors might have their own version, except it's a little bit taller. He made national news for being called Steph's teammate by Bleacher Report instead of his name. And he scored 20 points on eight of nine with seven rebounds, three assists, a block and a steal, and was plus twenty-one last night. His name is Juan. He, yeah, he said, hi, my name is Juan, Juan Toscano Anderson, and Tim, I mean, he was a killer last night, he did everything right, and on a Warriors team that was down Ubre, they're down, down a couple other guys, you know, obviously no more Wiseman, but Juan Toscano, I think, was, was the reason the Warriors won, because yes, Curry got going, but it took him two and a half quarters, Juan was hitting everything, he was getting offensive rebounds, and I think he was the calf killer last night, he didn't, and here's the cool thing about him, as you know, from your research, He's an Oakland guy. He was the number one player in Mexico in 2018. He gets a couple of 10 days at the end of last season, maybe kind of forgotten because it blended into COVID. So he didn't play much, but he can play. And he killed us last night. I'll tell you, here's a, a great story about Juan uh, was trading tidbits back and forth with Golden State's play-by-play guy, Tim Roy, who's one of the best in the NBA. Tim Roy is just legendary. And, uh, Juan wears number 95 for Golden State. And Tim told me that he chose that number because that was his street address while he was living in Oakland. And he wanted to pay homage to his roots and he wanted to kind of recognize where he had come from and the, and the battle to get to the NBA level, but he never forgot uh, where he was living in Oakland. It was 95 whatever elm street but it was 95 and so that's why he chose 95 and again that's a story somewhat similar to a lamar stevens where it's just hard work and effort uh that was a career high for Juan last night those 20 points and you're right zach uh, boy he was a cab killer last night he knocked down some huge shots uh when steph couldn't really get it going steph missed his first eight three balls and uh, it was Toscano Anderson that really picked up the slack. He was big for Steve Kerr's team last night. Yeah, and how about how about this for a great stat? You know, Isaac Okoro isn't known for being a scorer, and I don't know that he ever will. However, I think Isaac Okoro is going to elevate to a guy that can give you 20 when guys are out. He'll score in the teens, and he'll take shots when needed. I think we've started to see him be a little more aggressive. He had that great layup where he was kind of in the paint against Looney, quick fake, and then went up with the left to get around it, which I think shows great maturity. But here's what I want to mention here, Tim. And this is from a tweet I saw. I don't remember the source, unfortunately. But first uh, first half of the game, 
Steph took eight threes, missed them all. Who was covering him on seven of those threes? The Iceman, shutting him down, shutting down the best three-point shooter of all time for a full half. And yes, Curry's so good that even if you're covering him, he's going to somehow be open enough to maybe make it. But, I mean, we've been giving Isaac his due all season, but I don't think we're giving him enough due for that type of effort. Because usually either he'll pick up two fouls in the first quarter, he'll come out about eight or nine minutes in. I think he played the whole quarter to cover Curry, and it was just beautiful to watch him play defense. It was. And, you know, Isaac Okoro, he leads all rookies in minutes played per game. Uh, He's number one. So they have thrown him to the fire. And not only as far as minutes played, but each and every night, young man, you're going to get the other team's best scorer. So he was 19 when he came into the league, turned 20 in January. But think about the education that he's getting. He's guarding LeBron, guarding Kawhi, guarding Giannis, guarding Steph. I mean, hey, you get the other team's best guy. And for the first half or so of the season, JB basically said, don't worry about your offense. We drafted you for your defense. That's what we want you to do. But now they've prodded him and said, okay, you know, let's take your offensive game and work on it and move it up a notch or two. And I think you've seen, uh, especially here in the month of April, uh, that he's been able to do that. He's been a double-digit guy. As you said, he's not in the mid twenties, but he'll get you recently 12 to 15 a game. And, but that defense that he played on Steph last night, uh, was one of the first things that JB talked about during his post game zoom. Listen, uh, Isaac Okoro was on him. And to your point, Zach, sooner or later, Steph's going to hit threes. But, uh, when Isaac was guarding him, he had a zero as far as three balls made in that first half of play. And it was Isaac Okoro that did the job. Yeah, and all said and done, you know, while the Cavs did win the third quarter, that's when Curry had 12 points and knocked in a couple of threes. No other Warrior had more than one basket in that quarter. On the other side, Jared Allen Allen had eight and eight in the third quarter. He did have four turnovers. That's just a product of Draymond Green playing center and disrupting everything. But, you know, a couple other things from the game is, you know, there's no sugarcoating it, and it's a hard matchup for him. Kevin Love did not look great. The one good moment he had was that deep three to make it 35-34 in the second quarter with the shot clock running down, which I did I, I did call bucket before he shot it. I'll give myself a little prop there, but it was a great shot. It just it wasn't his day. Larry Nance still getting his feet under him. Three points, five rebounds in 23 minutes. So the one shot he did make did come during the team's third quarter spurt. You know, Delhi struggled. He only took the one three. He had three assists. Continue to I'm continually impressed. I'm gonna pull up the exact number here so I don't mess this up so Delhi's now played in eight games averaging 19 minutes a game in 151 minutes he has four turnovers in 821 minutes last year he had 59 turnovers and on average during his final year with the Cavs where he saw a career high in minutes to that point Delhi basically went about 18 and a half minutes per turnover which as a point guard basically means if you per 36 that's about 1.8 and I think this is important it doesn't matter if he plays 10 minutes or 15 or 20. And this is no disrespect to Damian Dotson or the, or the guards that came in for a bit, like Yogi and Quinn Cook. But the Cavs' advantage in Delhi, win or lose every night, Tim, is that you have a guy, and this is what I've loved about him since he came into the league. He backs into his man to kind of give him the whole court space, and he's not going to get his pocket pick because his he has eyes all over the place. And I just love his ability to run the offense and to keep possessions clean. I don't know many players – 
that have the ball as much as he does that limit their turnovers the way he does. I mean, what, like I said, four turnovers in 190 minutes, that's one per game if he's playing 48 minutes, which is just unreal. And I think that while the wins haven't been piling up, the Cavs, I think, are three and two in their last five games. And I think that his ability to find shooters, and I'm sure his assist attempts a game are probably double that. Guys can't always score. I just think that that's been huge. And I think that we can't, and look, we could, we could talk all day about Garland and Sexton and, and Allen and, and Love and Dean Wade, but I think it's Delhi's passing ability that really gets a lot going. It's his passing ability, and as you referred to, Zach, uh, he doesn't turn the ball over. In this day of analytics where every single solitary possession and spot on the floor and shot selection is just analyzed to death with analytics, uh, one of the numbers that coaches still look at, and it's huge, and it's a basic number, is turnovers to assist. Because if you're turning the ball over, you're giving up a possession and you're giving the other team an extra possession. You may not get a bucket on your possession, but you still give the team an extra possession if you turn it over. And, you know, you go back to Delhi when he first came back, uh, he had 22 assists before he had a turnover. I mean, he just takes care of the basketball. And you described it perfectly as far as protecting the ball and backing down. But he also knows where guys should be on the floor. So he doesn't try to force anything. And if a guy isn't where he's supposed to be, then, you know, Delhi will be dribbling with one hand and you'll see him pointing with the other hand, like, Hey, you got a space or you got to be there and then he'll make the pass. So he doesn't force anything at the offensive end of the floor and that'll lead to a shot. Now, will it always go down? No, but it's better than a turnover. Yeah, exactly. And it's been so fun to watch him get, dig all my deli gear out of the closet, finally wear it and smile while wearing, knowing that he's playing. But all right. So, Tim, as we wrap up here, uh, as we, we both uh, get ready to enjoy some nice Cavs action over the weekend, uh, we got the Bulls coming up tomorrow. And it, it's interesting because superstars get all the money, right? Superstars will get, will get a cut of, of everything because – they're the reason that, that your team is successful. They're the reason you got people in the seats. They're the reason that ad revenue is up. They're the reason that, that more people that don't like soda will still buy a Pepsi because it was endorsed by your favorite player. And it's funny because you, it's also said that when your superstar is out, the team is actually the most dangerous, which is like, wait, what? Yes, it makes sense because we're not going to see Zach Levine tomorrow. So what does that mean? We don't know. It means that Colby White, who's been in the doghouse, though he's been playing, he's been a bit in the doghouse. You know, he lost his starting spot. He's not even playing 20 minutes these days. It could mean Lowry Markinen, who, you know, he was in trade rumors. His minutes have been taken away by Thaddeus Young and even Alpha Rukaminu of late. It means that these guys are going to get more chances. And I think that even though the Bulls have been ice cold, they lost to Orlando. Wendell Carter was definitely smiling after that game uh, with that trade that happened. But I don't know what to expect. I'm nervous in a way because last year Cavs Bulls was the last game of the year. The Cavs were expected to win, but fell short this time. There will be, yeah, <laughs> there will be more games. Please let there be more games after uh, tomorrow. Anything can happen. This could be, I mean, we're going to be saying this a lot and I'm sure you'll be saying it with, uh, with Jim Jones on the broadcast. Every game is going to have that playoff. You, you got to win. You're going to have Toronto who you can pass. You'll play. You'll have Washington, who you can pass, that you'll play twice. 
and it's there's there's a lot coming, but it starts with this one. What are, you, what are we expecting tomorrow? Because you still got Vooch now. Thankfully, got Jared Allen back, but no Levine means anybody can go off. True, um, but again, Zach Levine is the focal point for Chicago, so that means you know, as you alluded to, and you mentioned several players, somebody else has to pick up the slack or at least uh, share. Uh, as far as distributing the basketball to make up for the points you'll miss uh, without Zach Levine in the lineup. But uh, Zach, something that you mentioned, uh, which I really like, and I think it's good for this basketball team, especially the young guys, is that they are now going to be put in pressure situations where that, that level of anxiety may go up a notch or two, realizing, hey, this is the team we're chasing uh, for that 10th, play-in spot and not that the guys don't play hard and not that they don't give 100% but there's a there's a different type of mental preparedness and a different type of mental approach to a ball game when there's something really riding on it and this young team hasn't experienced that yet and it's only something that you can gain as far as the experience by going through it uh, as much as Delhi and Love are veteran leaders they can't teach Garland and Sexton and those type of guys, what it's like to play in a pressure ball game. Uh, it, ju it just brings a whole different approach. And so, you know, that, that tomorrow's game, Saturday's game against Chicago is going to be one of those, you know, lose and go home scenarios, but the Cavs are going to look at the standings and they're going to realize, man, this is a big game. This is one that if we win, we're really in the hunt. So it's going to add a little more as far as uh, just the pressure on the floor. And I think the young guys on this team really need that. They need to go through some pressure type of ball games just to experience and realize, okay, this is what it's like when you get to that next level, when you're playing in games that really mean something that will impact your season. And here's, here's my bold take uh, for tomorrow. Tim, as we wrap up, I think that the key matchup, it has nothing to do with the backcourts. I think it's going to be Okoro versus Patrick Williams. Usually the, the fourth and fifth pick won't decide a potential playoff appearance, but I think that with Levine out, we've heard about Patrick's ability to score. And every time I see Adam Amin on Twitter, when I'm not watching the Bulls, I know he's got him and Stacey King have some great things to say. And because their analysis is so colorful, it appears all over national media so, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot. Shout out to both of them. It's some great, so many great new voices in the league, yourself included, these last couple of years that have just energized everything. But I think that Patrick Williams is going to really get a chance to be a scorer and not just a limited touches guy. And I think Okoro is going to have those opportunities. I think Chicago is going to play prevent with, with uh, Sexton and Garland, and it's going to lead to Okoro being open more. So I think that that's the, that my bold take is that whichever rookie plays better, their team wins both ends of the floor. Yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable take, Zach. I wouldn't disagree with that. And I also think that sometimes when you get those rookies that are real close as far as where they were drafted, uh, it becomes kind of this mano-a-mano matchup. You were four, I was five. Uh, I think Isaac takes that to heart a little bit. And so uh, that could be a key matchup on Saturday night. There's no doubt. Yeah, it's going to be fun, but Tim Alcorn, a pleasure as always. And any parting remarks or any, any parting lines, any, uh, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a pun, but I got a way to introduce your fauna, but and anything to add uh, before we say goodbye. <laughs> 
No, these are these are fun conversations. I enjoy doing this with you, and, and boy, your your knowledge is just top shelf. So no, it's terrific, and it's it's good to talk to somebody that really knows the game and knows the players, and so uh, I enjoy it immensely. And I think it's going to be a, a fun stretch run. I think the Cavaliers are going to hang around as far as that tenth spot is concerned, and so uh, these games are really going to mean something coming down the stretch, and. And uh, last year when the bubble went to the, the play-in, I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. But you know what? Now I look at it and I go, well, if we were sitting at 13th right now, number eight would seem like a long way away. And it would seem like, well, okay, we'll play. We'll play hard and we'll do our best. But in the end, uh, we're not going to get to that eight spot. Now all of a sudden you go, okay, there's still something to play for here. So I think that play-in concept, uh, I think it's kind of fun now because we're involved with it. Yeah, so it used to be the tank is on, and now it's turn that car around. This season's not over yet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. Yeah, to appreciate the kind worlds, definitely have to try. Depending on the season, depending on the circumstance, they will get a play-in special. <laughs> I, 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 I'd see, That'd be fun. Yeah, I, let's see how the rest of the year goes. A pleasure, as always. Tim Alcorn, Radio Voice of the Cavs. You catch him tomorrow with Jim Jones. Big one against Chicago. I will be – locked in i will be missing the first quarter on tv so you better believe i got my ten dollar league pass audio subscription ready to go locked in but it's gonna be fun for tim alcorn zach weiss this is across the Cavs. find us on apple spotify breaker google Podcasts. if you listen to a podcast on a platform the chances are you can find it there hope you all have a great weekend and let's get a huge Cavs w and then after chicago i'll stop let's get detroit too